0: Welcome to the Wealthsteading Podcast. This is episode 311. Today is April 19th, 2020. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at InvestableWealth.com. Well, hey, it has been nothing short of a roller coaster spectacular ride in the stock market over these last three or four weeks. And I'll do a brief market update here, but really what I want to talk about in this episode is where I'm headed with the second phase of my strategy which is rebalancing my portfolio to take advantage of what I believe is an inevitable recovery. Now, the question is, is that recovery, you know, in a month or next year? That I don't know, but I'm a long-term patient investor. I want my assets to be worth more tomorrow than they are today. And so I'm willing to take the risk now to have more money in the future. And I still firmly believe that we are in an absolutely fantastic buying opportunity. Talk more about that as we go along. Okay, as far as overall market performance, the S&P 500 this week closed out right around 28.70. That's up about 30% from the lows that we saw on March 23rd, just three and a half weeks ago. It's been pretty much a V-shaped rise from that bottom, and that doesn't surprise me at all because I do think we were oversold. I was actually hoping that uh, as things got a little bit worse, we would have seen the market go lower. We didn't get that secondary buying opportunity, although I don't think the bad news is over yet. And this is where I want to come in with, again, my cynical optimism. Listen, the market dropped 30%, 33% from its February highs. That was way more than anything I would have thought would have happened when this pandemic first started because I never anticipated in my wildest dreams that governments around the world would shut down their economies for weeks and months on end. Never thought it would happen. And so, yes, I was taken by surprise with the 30% drop in the overall market from that perspective. However, and this is on the glasses half full side, look at where we are. The worst pandemic in 100 years. Literally, the entire world shut down. The global economy at a standstill. And at its worst, for about one afternoon, the S&P 500 was down about 33%. Since then, over these past three and a half weeks, at the levels we're at now with the S&P 500, we're only 15% off from the record highs in February. And really at these levels right around, you know, the high 2800s, 2900, we're pretty much back to where we were just in September of 2019. And if you look at the entire mid price range for last year, it was right around 2900. So again, from the glass is half full, the optimistic standpoint on this is that this market has been incredibly resilient. The worst pandemic in 100 years, the entire global economy at a standstill, and yet we're barely down 15% and we're pretty much at the mid-range of where we were all last year. I find that to be impressive, and I know that there are negative Nellies out there that are going to say, yeah, but it would have all fallen apart if the Federal Reserve hadn't stepped in. Well, of course it would have. But why would you have thought that they wouldn't? That's what I've been banking on all this time. I'm not at all surprised at the level of money that they put in so far, which Federal Reserve's balance sheet is up to over six trillion and that's just a federal reserves balance sheet If you look at the trillions coming in from the federal stimulus spending, um, you know you're looking at another three or four trillion there. I've always said I won't be at all surprised if they throw at least ten trillion at this and no, I'm not worried about. The collapse of the U.S. dollar, loss of the reserve currency status, a depression, any of the things that the gloom and doomers are always talking about, because you have to remember that things are not static. Markets adjust and people adapt. So right now with people saying, well, the Federal Reserve is out of ammunition and they don't have anything left to do, they're, they're buying municipal bonds, they're buying junk bonds. Yes, they are. They're shoring up the corporate system. And if they have to, they will go into the stock market and they will buy individual equities. Now, It's not a matter of philosophically of whether or not I agree with that or whether I think that's a good thing. It's just a thing. It is literally what's happening. And it's the adaptation of our financial systems to deal with the markets and the economies that we're in. I think that will continue to happen. And there's plenty of money and liquidity in the system to grease the skids of the economy, and get us through this pandemic. And again, if you don't believe me, well, look at the S&P 500. It's only off 15% from its all-time record high, in the midst of a major crisis when the global economy is literally at a standstill. Ah, but I digress. The market on Friday got above its 50-day moving average. It had been flirting with that level. It looked like that was going to be resistance and it wouldn't hold up. But in fact, on Friday, the market did close above its 50-day moving average. And because the 100 and 200-day moving average are converging together, they're coming together right around 3000 on the S&P 500. That's only about 4% from where we are right now. I think 3000 because of the psychological level, as well as the fact that that's where the 100 and the 200-day moving average are, and then given all the continued uncertainty, about whether the economies will open up and actually what's going to happen from a health standpoint with this pandemic i think that 3000 in the s&p 500 could be a major level of resistance and since that's only 4% above where we are right now i do think it's possible that we could see the market break down and i don't know if it will go all the way back to march 23rd lows that's when the s&p 500 was around 2230 i don't know if we actually go back to test those lows but I certainly think it's possible that we could see the market drift back down to 27, 26, 2500. I think it could do that easily and do it in a matter of days or within a week. And again, I don't see that from a pessimistic standpoint. I would see that as a continued buying opportunity. And that takes me into my second phase of my investing strategy. And remember that the first phase of my strategy was to simply have my portfolio constructed so that I owned quality blue chip type stocks and exchange traded funds, many of which paid a dividend. And when you own stocks like that, you're not worried about them going bankrupt. You're not worried about short-term disruptions in the economy. As long as you don't believe that it's a long-term recession, you hold those positions, you collect the dividend, and you buy the dips. You dollar cost into the dips. That's exactly what I did in 2018. And I think a lot of ways what we're going through now, even though it's a pandemic and it's a totally different problem that we're seeing in the market, I think a lot of it is very similar to what we did see in 2018. And i encourage you to go back and re-listen to episode 276 that was recorded on October 29th, 2018. That's where I gave reasons that I was optimistic about the economy, I was going to stick with the market, and even though it went on over the next seven or eight weeks to drop 19%, I hung in there. I didn't sell my positions. In fact, I used that as an opportunity to buy the dips. And then that did all work out in 2019 when the market rebounded. I thought a lot of the reasons that we were having problems in the market in 2018 were related to policy decisions. I think that today. I think the problems that we're seeing in the economy are more specific to the policies that are being enacted by the government's But those policies are not written in stone, and they will change, just like we saw a change in policy in 2018. Markets adjust, people adapt, and I believe in the long run we're going to pull through this just fine. Now again, whether it's a week, a month, a year, that I don't know, but I am confident enough that right now I'm going to do what I didn't do in 2018, and that's phase two of my investing strategy, and this is where I rebalance my portfolio during a crisis. Now I don't often do this, I definitely did it in 2008, it was extremely profitable for me, and because of the drastic severe volatility that we're experiencing now, I believe that it can also work again. And so phase two of the strategy is where I rebalance my portfolio, and I move out of some of those very secure positions, things that have a very stable beta or or market beta like a S&P 500 fund or a total market fund, or even some of my positions that have not only held up well, but have been profitable through this crisis. And these would be like healthcare stocks or healthcare ETFs. The strategy is to move out of those positions, to take that money to move to cash, and then rebalance that money into smaller cap type stocks that are high growth and have been disproportionately affected by the crisis. Right now, since the S&P 500 is only about 15% from its record high, that's the general market, that's the broad-based blue chip market. There are many, many specific stocks within the S&P 500 that are down 30, 40, 50, 60, maybe even 70 or 80%. What the rebalancing strategy involves is taking your money out of these stable blue chip S&P 500 type companies, and maybe not taking all of it, but taking a portion of your portfolio selling that while the market's only down, say, 15% or so, and then putting that money into a stock that's down 50 or 60 or 70%. And what you're really looking for is not stocks that are distressed, but just generally decent stocks that, uh, you know, where the baby has been thrown out with the bathwater. They've been disproportionately affected by the downturn, primarily because they're smaller, less capitalized stocks. They're more risky. But because of that risk factor... They present a great opportunity. And so thinking about the performance mathematics, if you sell the S&P 500 when it's down 15% and you buy a smaller cap growth stock that's down 50%, well, assuming everything regresses to the mean and when the recovery occurs, the S&P 500 goes back up to 3390. That's gonna be up about 15% from where we are right now. But if you're invested in that smaller cap aggressive growth stock was down 50 percent from its record high and it gets back to those levels well now you're not up 15 percent you're up 100 percent so you can double your money if you're willing to take the risk to take these aggressive positions now again this is something that i didn't do in 2018 but it is something that i did very effectively in 2009 coming out of that recession And so let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. And and by the way, let me preface this by saying I have already taken the steps to position myself to move into these more aggressive positions. Now, I don't know if or when I will, but when I do, I'll post about it over Investable Wealth on the blog and alert side of that website. I'll put that information out there. And I'm not being coy with you. I literally don't know from day to day because the volatility of this market is so extreme and you can have these smaller stocks moving up. 10, 15, in some cases 20% in a matter of a day or two, uh, my my watch list constantly changes. So when I actually buy the positions, I will list them over at investablewealth.com. But I am positioning myself for this because on Friday, I took advantage of this rally that we've seen over these last three and a half weeks. And I sold a major portion of my portfolio that was held in things like the total market ETF or the S&P 500, or some of my healthcare stocks. So I have that money in cash, ready to be deployed. I just don't know when I'm actually gonna pull the trigger to make those investments, and I don't know if I'll do it over a series of days or weeks, or if I'll just pull the trigger all at once. It's totally gonna be uh, determined by market dynamics. And that's why I always say getting out of a market isn't easy. It's it's knowing how to get back in where you make the money. And if this rally continues and goes on to you know break out above its 100 and 200-day moving averages, well, I'm going to miss an opportunity because I'm going to be sitting in cash. But I'm betting on the other side of that. I'm betting that we either maintain somewhere around the levels we are now, or in fact, we dip down back to that 27, 2600 on the S&P 500 or perhaps lower I would welcome those lower levels to be able to buy in at better prices. Now, as far as rebalancing and buying into stocks that have been disproportionately impacted by this downturn, I think there's really two ways you can go with this. You can either go with the smaller capitalized, higher growth stocks. A lot of these were IPOs in the last couple years. They've been hit pretty hard. Or you can go with the distressed assets, things like hotels, airlines, the cruise ships rental car companies you know all those have been hit up very hard all the oil companies they've been devastated i think all these things will eventually come back i think the distressed stocks though are going to have a harder time recovering than the smaller more nimble growth stocks and so I'll, I'll talk about some specifics here as we get into this in a minute but i'm not necessarily planning on putting my money at this point into something like an airlines or into a a cruise ship line because They have a lot of employees, they have a lot of infrastructure, they have a lot of capital. And again, while I do think that someday they'll fully recover, I just don't know how long that'll take. And they have a big debt load to carry along with them before all that will happen. I I do remain a little more optimistic on things like the oil stocks, and I'm already pretty heavily invested in those. I think they pay a solid dividend, and I think that it is impossible that oil will stay at the levels that it is right now for very long. Now, again, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't predict the future. But when someone tells me that they're worried about this crisis, they think we're going to go into a depression, or they think there's going to be a big economic meltdown, and they want to put their money into things like gold or silver. And to some extent, you can make the argument that gold has held its value. But silver's back hovering at 15. It had gotten down, I believe, as low as 13 a couple weeks ago. It never got higher than 18. I mean, these are certainly well off the highs that we saw that silver made back in 2011. Now gold has performed somewhat better, but even as I record this, gold is below seventeen hundred. And I would say this: if you're looking at investing in commodities, what do you think is more likely to double? Do you think that gold at seventeen hundred or silver at fifteen dollars is likely to double over the next year? Or do you think that oil, you know, that petroleum oil, which is selling today at fifteen dollars, do you think it's going to remain at fifteen dollars, or do you think that that's going to double in the next year? In fact. At $15, at that level, we could see it easily triple or quadruple. That wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities. So while I do think that these big distressed industries, like the oil industry, and like airlines and and hotels and other travel industry things, I do think they will recover, and I think that the oil industry will, will recover sooner. So I wouldn't avoid buying into them at these levels, but I also think these smaller growth companies maybe have more potential. Let me give you some idea of those. And let's think of the transportation or travel sector. You know, rather than investing in Delta Airlines or Marriott Hotels or Hertz Rental Car, you know, some kind of a company that has been hurt very badly by this and will likely recover, but they have all that infrastructure, all that capital expense, all those employees. Rather than just looking in those areas, what if you look at something that's more of a high-tech company, really just an app? That's involved in the travel industry or the transportation sector, but it really has no infrastructure, has a small number of employees, and no, it's not profitable. Yes, it has been overhyped, and it is a fairly new IPO. It's something that I would have never bought into it when it first came out as a new public listing. But right now, I think it has potential, and the company I'm talking about is Lyft. Lyft, you know, the ride sharing company, it's in the transportation sector. It's been devastated by the economy being shut down. But at the same time, I think it's likely to recover. I think they have less of a challenge of meeting payroll and being stable because because they don't have all the infrastructure and all the legacy overhead that something like a Delta Airlines has. And yet Lyft's stock is down 57% from its high. You do the math on that. I mean, if it only gets back up half to where it was, you're still way ahead of the game owning Lyft as compared to owning the S&P 500. Another stock that's on the digital end of the travel sector is TripAdvisor. Again, it's, you know, it's just a website. It's an app. It doesn't have much infrastructure. It's been hit severely through this pandemic, but I think it does have a chance to recover because once things do open up, people will be traveling again. They'll still be going to these travel websites. Advertisers will have to advertise and use platforms like TripAdvisor. And so I think they'll recover quickly. They are a profitable company. And their stock is down 62%. Again, do that math. If it only gets back up half to where it was, you're much better off having a small position in TripAdvisor than you would be in the general SP 500. Another stock that's in that realm of transportation, and although it's more of an industrial stock, and most of you maybe have never even heard of it, but that's Hexel. Hexel is a producer of carbon fiber. Things that are used by companies like Boeing and other aircraft companies to either manufacture the aircraft, uh, the ancillary components, or for repairs. Well, as you can imagine, Hexel, like all industrial companies, has taken a real beating. They're also down 62%. Now, while they do have more brick and mortar and employees and infrastructure and legacy costs than something like a lift or a Tripadvisor do i think they have much less exposure than a traditional airlines company would and i think that they are very likely to recover and again they're down 62 percent from their 52 week high so just if they get back to that level you're talking about a gain of 163 percent. you would more than double your money it would be more like 2.6 times increase on your money. If you put $100 into either TripAdvisor or Hexel and they get back to their previous high, that $200 is now going to be $260. That's far and away a greater return than you're going to receive investing in the S&P 500 at this point. Now, another company that's been on my radar, and this is an IPO from a year or so ago, is Pinterest. And I bring this up because, again, it speaks to the volatility and the day-to-day changes we're seeing in the prices on these. Right now, Pinterest is down 26% from its 52-week high. However, earlier last week, you know, just a few days ago, it was down as much as 54%. And so you have to pick these stocks wisely and not just go out willy-nilly one day purchasing everything. You have to put together a watch list of these high potential stocks and then look at them every day, decide when they're low enough, and that's when you want to pounce on them. I'll throw out one more, and this is one that's not really on my radar. It's on a watch list because uh, I've been curious about its performance. I'm not a big fan of the stock, and that's overstock.com. I am invested in Amazon. I love Amazon. I think Overstock is a a wannabe and can't hold a candle to Amazon. However, I look at their stock right now. They're down 69% from their 52-week high. Now, again, they don't have to get all the way back up to that level for you to make a substantial profit if you're investing in them now. So there's another digital company, something definitely to think about. And then I'll just round this out with two others. And these last two stocks are Canopy Growth Systems. That's a marijuana stock. They put themselves out there as really a uh, a pharmaceutical company. And the other one is Budweiser or the uh, Interbev Group. Both of those stocks are down substantially. Canopy Growth is down 71%. Budweiser Interbev is down more than 52%. And incidentally, Interbev is not only profitable, but they also pay over a 4% dividend. Now, is the beer industry going to go out of business? Well, it's certainly taken a hit with all the bars and restaurants and particularly with the sporting events closed. But again, it's not going to last forever. You could potentially buy into Budweiser, collect that dividend, and even if it only gets back half to where it was, you're still well ahead of the game than if you were simply invested in the S&P 500. And then again, do the math on canopy growth. It's down 71%. If that stock ever gets back up to those levels, you're talking about more than tripling your investment. So, hey, these are things to think about. This is definitely the phase two of my strategy that I'm in. Now, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you rush out and throw 100% of your portfolio into these type stocks, but I am definitely positioned to take a substantial portion of my portfolio, my own personal money, and move it into these small cap, high growth stocks, when and if, I think the timing is right. And I won't do it with one or two. I'll go into this with full diversification, owning anywhere from 20 to 30 different positions. So watch for that. Of course, I'll talk about it in an upcoming podcast and I'll blog about it over at investablewealth.com. Until then, as always, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.